Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On this visitor's edition, my guest will be Steve Jones, the longtime radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football. Before he joins us, let's get it started with my view from Section 17. It's November, the month when championships are won. The road to what we've been waiting for begins on Saturday with Penn State. The first playoff polls came out on Tuesday, and we were number five. Not that that matters right now, because we have plenty of work to do in the coming weeks. What is clear, though, is that if we take care of our own business, we will be in the college football playoffs. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. This Saturday is huge. We've had a week off to get ready for Penn State. I had a chance to watch the Nittany Lions and Iowa last Saturday. I'm sure many of you did, too. The Hawkeyes, despite not scoring a touchdown on offense, had a chance to win with under three minutes left in the game. But Nate Stanley threw a pick on the two-yard line. Penn State hung on, they got the W, and that's all they needed to do. The Nittany Lions are not the same team we played last year, but that doesn't mean they aren't good. They've been inconsistent at times, which you have to expect with a young team, but they do have an abundance of talent, and they have a quarterback who just makes plays, and he loves the big stage. This one is huge, but I have a feeling we're going to show up big time and start the month of November off on the right foot. Steve Jones has been around Penn State football for over 40 years now. He likes their chances against us on Saturday, but says the Nittany Lions will have to play their best game of the year if they expect to beat us in the big house. He joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Here with us on our visitor's segment today is Penn State radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones. Steve, great to have you back again this year. Hey, Mike. It's great to be with you as well. Well, Steve, I watched the Penn State-Iowa game on Saturday, and I thought the Hawkeyes were going to steal one on the road there in Happy Valley. That was quite the finish, wasn't it? Well, it was a crazy game throughout. Uh, the odd part of it is Iowa's offense never scored a touchdown in the game. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. They had, Penn State had six scores, three touchdowns, three field goals. Iowa had six scores, a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, two field goals, two safeties. <laughs> so they got 24 the hard way. Uh, I would say the first uh, 18 minutes of the game, I felt like I was watching an episode of Seinfeld's Bizarro World uh, <laughs> <laughs> because so many crazy things happened in the opening 18 minutes. And I think over the last, oh, I don't know, 32 minutes of the game, feel like the game settled down, Mike, and then Penn mm-hmm. State started playing like Penn State plays, and I think that really helped them win this game, with the exception, obviously, the interception. I mean, you know, I traced through it into a double. I don't know. To be honest with you, I'd have to pull him aside and ask him what he saw, <laughs> yeah. because we looked at the replay, and we don't know what he saw. <laughs> Well, you know, at the end of the day, it was a W, much-needed win. Um, but looking back at this season, Steve, the first chance I had this year, and we're all so busy this time of the year, the first time I had a chance to watch Penn State play was that Ohio State game. You know, as always, sure. what a great atmosphere it was there in Happy Valley. And I was really impressed with what I saw from Penn State. But what a crushing loss that was. That is the kind that can really linger with the team, especially with so many young players, isn't it? Well, I'm wondering how much it did linger heading into the Michigan State game. And I don't want to take anything away from Michigan State. Obviously, they, they're the team that won the game, and they did a, enough good things to win. But Penn State is at a point right now where they have a lot of really good players. I think their starting lineup is really, really good. Now it's a question of who then steps in after that. You want to have depth on your team where if there is a drop-off, it is slight. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple spots right now on the team that when they go deeper uh, in the game, trying to give their starters a blow, where there's a little bit now, it's not every spot, but there are a couple spots where it's a little bigger drop-off than it needs to be. And that, I think, in the end, has hurt them in the fourth quarter of games. But they haven't been able to play fourth quarters, I think, the way they want to because uh, they've had to play their starters too long. And I think that's become, you know, for them an issue that they've had to deal with. To me, Steve, when I've watched Penn State this year, it, it looks like Trace McSorley is being asked to do a lot more for this team than he was in the past. Most of the time, he delivers. He has just, he's got ice water in his veins. I've always liked him. He is such a gamer, isn't he? Oh, I think any coach in the country would love to have Trace McSorley. Uh, you know, it, we always talk about the it factor and a feel for the game and so forth. I mean, and, you know, and you never hear anybody define it. Well, I'll define it for you. Most sports, in the end, are ad lib. You mm-hmm. can structure all the plays you want. Hockey, basketball, football, even baseball. It's, it's all ad lib at certain points. And it's the people who in those ad-lib moments where everything breaks down, who's the coolest cat in the field, who knows exactly how to play it, who knows where all the chess pieces are, and they make the best decisions. Those are the people that have a feel for the game and have that quote-it factor. He's got all of that. 
and Mike, he's tough as nails. He missed one play his entire career until Saturday with an injury. It was an ankle injury at Indiana two years ago. He was out one play, one. And he limped his way through the rest of that game. Saturday, I think most people thought he was done. You know, in terms of that mm-hmm. day, done for that day. And he's out, what, I don't know, a series, series and a half, two series. That's it. He's back out there running 51 yards for a touchdown. I mean, that kid's got guts. You know, and we're in an era right now where we've got maybe too many people that sit there and go, oh, I feel a twinge can't go, you know, you know, the 100% track guy out there. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and this guy is like, look, just throw some tape on them, I'm going back out. <laughs> That's the way he is. I mean, he, he is just tough as nails. As a Michigan fan, I enjoy watching him, but he scares the bejeebers out of me because, you know, I remember the last two times, especially the last year in Happy Valley, he reminds me of a playground quarterback. He throws it up there sometime, especially in that game last year against Michigan where I thought, where is he throwing that ball? He's just throwing it up there. (laughs) Of course, they had great receivers, but he just makes plays. Well, in high school, everybody thought, you know, hey, Trace, play lacrosse or Trace, in college, you're going to be a safety. He's heard this his entire life. Yet in high school, he led his team to four straight championship games. He won three of them. In college, he's won a Big Ten championship, and he's directed his team to two New Year's Six Bowls. Uh, there's something about him. Now, he's got obviously really good people around him. But as I said last year when everybody was asking me over and over again about Saquon Barkley, I said, look, Saquon Barkley makes everybody else around it better. <laughs> Trace McSorley is the one guy that makes Saquon Barkley better. And I know he missed a couple of series again, as you just mentioned, Steve. He's ready to roll. He's not maybe 100%, but he's good to go Saturday. Oh, and look, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll have decisions to make whatever during the week. But, geez, I don't think you come back into the Iowa game and then you yeah. miss the next game. So I think, you know, this that that's not Trace McSorley's DNA. You mentioned Saquon Barkley, um, who's tearing up the NFL right now. Uh, and despite losing so much offensive talent to the NFL this year, this is still a very good offensive team, and McSorley has another pretty good back to hand off to, doesn't he? Well, Miles Sanders, Mike, has been very good. He is a one-cut-go guy. You know, he's, he's a guy, when he gets to the edge, maybe he struggles a little bit. I mean, like kind of Karan Higdon, I think, struggles a little bit when he gets to the edge. Uh, but he's a one-cut-go guy. He uses his offensive line well. I think he's barely been helped by the fact that, A, he's talented. I mean, Miles Sanders was a five-star guy who waited his turn behind Barkley. That doesn't happen much these days, but mm-hmm. he's done it. And now he's getting his opportunity. He's got an offensive line in front of him that's older now. They're not, you know, there isn't a senior in the group, but they're older now. And he also has a tight end. Mike Kosicki is the best pass-catching tight end I've seen here at Penn State in mm-hmm. the nearly 40 years I've been here, okay, pass-catching. But Mike would tell you that blocking was always uh, a work in progress. The two young guys that I have, Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers, are really good blockers at that tight end spot. And I think that's really helped Sanders a lot. Well, another weapon for this offense is a Michigan kid. Uh, K.J. Hamler from Orchard Lake yeah. St. Mary's played in the Detroit Catholic League. Played his senior year at IMG down in Florida. I remember one of the uh, the local sports guys here when he was a junior, Steve, he said he's impossible to cover or contain. He's just a big-time and versatile player, isn't he? Well, this is the go-to athlete in this offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, every offense needs to have 
uh, one, and I think we're getting to a point, Mike, in college football, you need two or three of these guys yeah. in your offense. And, you know, for Penn State, they know they've got one of those guys right away, K.J. Hamler, and I think they're developing another one in Jahan Dotson, uh, who's a true freshman who's coming on. So when I look at, uh, at Hamler, he's just dynamic. He'll go up and get the ball at the high point. He'll, he'll run past guys to get himself into position. Uh, he is a, an outstanding kick returner. I mean, being a kick returner is not I catch ball and run fa- as fast as I can and get as many yards as I can. You have to have a feel for it. And then you have to know in that feel for it when to then kick it into a high gear and get going. And that's what KJ does. He's smart with the way he returns kicks, and he's got four kickoff returns of 50 yards or better. And I was kidding him in the postgame show on Saturday. I said, you know, you haven't scored on any of them. (laughs) 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 And and he has an incredible personality. I mean, he's the kind of guy, Mike, you'd love interviewing him. I mean, he is uh, is loaded with personality, always has a big smile on his face. And again, if I had his talent, I guess I'd be smiling all the time, too. Whatever that it factor is, people talk about he's got it, and he is not a big guy, is he, Steve? No, he's not a big guy. And that's the same thing with the freshman, Jahan Dotson. He's not a big guy either. Um, that's where they're hoping a guy like uh, Jawan Johnson, who's 6'4", good size wide mm-hmm. out, that you can maybe put the ball in a spot. He's had some ups and downs this year, and I think uh, you know when he's playing well, then obviously you know McSorley kicks it into another gear because – Penn State, at the moment, doesn't have a lot of size at wide receiver because of the red-shirting Daniel George, who's a good size wide out, and Justin Shorter, who's a really good size wide out, he's being red-shirted as well. So they haven't been playing as much, so they've gone with the smaller receivers, Brandon Polk, DeAndre Tompkins, you mentioned K.J. Hamler, and then the guy that stands out is, is Jawan Johnson. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the size of Hamler, and I think you've just described most of the Penn State receiving core. I mean, as a quarterback, obviously you can get you can get uh, obviously separation. Uh, you can get separation, but I think it also forces a quarterback to be a little more accurate there because there are fewer spots to throw the football to because you don't have a lot of size there. With us on our uh, visitors segment this week is the outstanding Penn State radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones talking about the big game this Saturday in the Big House. Steve, Penn State's defense was a top 20 unit last year. We saw them. They were darn good. Only three starters back this year. How would you describe their play this year? Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because we were going through the two deep of this year's team. Uh, there were only five seniors in the two deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking on offense and defense. That's it. Offense and defense, five starters, two deep. Sharif Miller's really good at the defensive end spot. But the guy I thought in the preseason could have a breakout year is now starting to do so, and that's Yitor Grossmatos. He has put together 19 tackles the last two games and four sacks in the last two games off the edge. He's starting to play really well, number 99. He's just a true sophomore. Kevin Givens and Robert Windsor are the two tackles inside. Now, Givens and Windsor get a lot of work inside. Remember I was talking before about, you know, where is there a drop-off? Well, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a drop-off when they go to the deeper defensive tackle. Eventually, a guy like P.J. Mustard is going to be really good here. But it's now a work in progress for him. Linebacker, uh, Jan Johnson, is a guy that just is a hard worker. Uh, 
is a downhill linebacker. Cam Brown on the outside has length, and Cam Brown's played his best football in the last three weeks. Micah Parsons is a true freshman who now leads the team in tackles. Just a freak athlete out there can play. He can play. To be honest with you, Mike, he could play running back, tight end, defensive end, mm-hmm. linebacker. He's just a freak athlete. And now he leaves him in tackles. Koa Farmer's a veteran out there. And then there's the secondary. And the secondary, you know, they had to replace all four starters from last year. So they had four senior starters. Campbell, Apke, you know, Grant Haley, who's now on the Giants roster. Apke's on the Washington Redskins roster. I mean, they were Marcus Allen, who's on the Steelers roster. Um they had to replace all four of them, but they replaced them with, with four guys that had played a lot. Mm-hmm. Amani Oyewarie was second-team All-Big Ten. He's having a really good year this year. Tariq Castro-Fields, I think, has tremendous potential. Uh, length at that corner, that's where he and Oyewarie are both 6'1 or better. That really helps over there. John Reed has come back from a, a knee injury uh, that happened 18 months ago. Uh, and he's now playing his best football this season. Uh, he got off to a slow start, took him a little bit to get back, and the group got banged up a little bit. Now the last three, four weeks, John's played really well. Nick Scott, the veteran safety, has back-to-back weeks with interceptions now, including the one of the five-yard line against Iowa. And then Garrett Taylor is a guy that's probably made more strides than anybody else in the secondary. He couldn't play the first half of the Iowa game because of targeting call in the Indiana game. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's back, and uh, he's playing really well. Well, other than Notre Dame, uh, this is clearly going to be the best offense that Michigan has faced this year. Do you like their chances to put up some points against this Don Brown defense? Well, Don, you know, Don is really smart. I mean, this is, you know, before Michigan, I remember looking at Boston College tapes of Don Brown being at Boston College because Penn State had played him in the pinstripe bowl. And, look, he's really smart with what he has. You know, he, I think nobody dials up a better blitz a better blitz package than Don Brown does. Now he has the personnel to do it. But that front for Michigan is really good. I think Winovich is having a, an, a, just an incredible year mm-hmm. at that one defensive end spot. I mean, he's played really well. And I think the whole defensive front's played play well. I think uh, Cody Pay's done a good job stepping in for Rashawn Gary. Gary's such a talented player. Uh, the linebackers for Michigan have, you know, are really, really good. You know, I've always been a big Devin Bush guy anyway, uh, and you can just see, you know, what he means to their defense. And you know, in the secondary, it's a veteran group. David Long had a pick last year here. Josh Metellus already has three interceptions this year. You know, I think a lot of people like that Brandon Watson. <laughs> just a heck of a player. Uh, no, no, look, it's, you know, it's amazing. You can dial up all the schemes you want. It is amazing what talent means to pulling it off. So I think you're going to have a really good matchup here of an offense with a, with a terrific quarterback, really good running back, really good wideouts, and improving the offensive line against the defense that has established itself as one of the best ones in the country. On the flip side, the Michigan offense has grown more diverse. Uh, Shea Patterson, as we all know, can hurt you with his arm. He can hurt you with his legs. But at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh wants to line up and run it right at you most of the time. Big test for that Penn State front, Steve. Well, there's no question about that. I think I, uh, I watched the Michigan tape yesterday. I saw so much running in that game, straight-ahead blocking. <laughs> Uh, the usage of the tight ends, the way the tight ends are used in the run and pass games. 
Uh, you know, I think, you know, receiving-wise, you know, obviously I think that's a good group. Donovan Peoples-Jones is, you know, obviously a, can be a breakout guy. Uh, Gentry and McCune, the two tight ends, I think are just terrific the way they use them. Higdon uses his blockers really well. I mean, he's, you know, and I think Higdon's had a really good year. I think he's had, what, six 100-yard rushing yep. games this year, yes, five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shea Patterson has meant a lot because Patterson – can buy time when he's in trouble. He gets the ball downfield. I think he throws a good ball. Uh, and, you know, I think they've done a good job. You have to play offense to how your defense is, and you have to play defense to how your offense is. Because I think Michigan's offense is a little bit better, Don Brown can take a chance anytime he wants now because if there is a problem, the offense has the capability of getting it back. Okay. Then conversely, I think you have to play offense to what your defense is. And I think Michigan can take a few more chances offensively because their defense has been that good. And I think you know, Jim's done a good job of always understanding that concept. And I think now he's got the personnel on both sides to make that concept happen. Well, final question for you, Steve. Uh, Penn State, just a couple of plays away from being undefeated, really. So this is a darn good football team. Do you think they feel good about how they match up with Michigan? I think it's a good matchup for both teams. I think you know that I think that the two teams actually match up really well against each other. Where now it's going to be, you know, has the potential to be one of those games where five or six plays swing the game, mm-hmm. and which you know which one can get four out of the six. Uh, and I think that becomes important because I think just both teams are just really good. Now, when you're in the division like the Big Ten East, where it's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. You know, we're going to expect to have these kind of games every single year mm-hmm. where Penn State meets Ohio State at the Titanic matchup. Michigan and Ohio State play each other, Titanic matchup. Michigan plays Penn State, Titanic matchup. You know, I mean, uh, and you just can go through all these games, which are going to be really big games. You know, when you look at the, the division, the top four teams, and particularly the top three teams, yeah, I know Michigan State beat Penn State, but still. Uh, I still look at it as um, the way it is in the SEC West. I mean, Alabama's finally going to get challenged, and how are they going to get challenged? They're going to get challenged with a Western Division game with LSU this week. They're going to finally get challenged at the end when they take on Auburn, which is also a division game. Well, that's the way it is for the the teams in the Big Ten East. Their biggest challenges are always within within the division. Well, it's a big game on the big stage uh, with Big Ten, national ramifications. And I have to say this, Steve, Penn State travels uh, so well, brings a lot of folks in for the game every time they're here in Ann Arbor. What a great fan base. I mean, every interaction I've had with Penn State fans over the years has been great. I think most Michigan fans would say the same thing. They respect the game. It's going to be a great environment on Saturday. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're going to have a great game to call. Well, I think so, too. And I think, you know, and the same thing could be said about the Michigan fans that come here. You know, and I also have the advantage of doing basketball. So, you know, I go, you know, I'm going to be back on January 3rd at Chrysler for, for a game. Uh, and all my interaction with the Michigan fans over the years, I mean, I mean, really some of the best I've had in the conference. So you can say the same thing about the Michigan fans when they come here. Always a pleasure having you with us, Steve. Again, I think it's going to be a humdinger, as they they say, on Saturday in the big house. (laughs) Our guest today has been Penn State Radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones. As always, Steve, we uh, enjoy having you on each year and look forward to our next visit. Yeah, same here, Mike. Thanks so much for your time. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, 
and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, no Rashawn Gary update or any other injuries were talked about during the week. We are in good shape, though, heading into Saturday's game. Here are some game day facts. Michigan has won 13 games in this series and lost eight. The first meeting was on October 16, 1993, in Happy Valley, a 21-13 Michigan win. Penn State won last year's matchup, which Don Brown and all of us remember too well, 42-13 on October 21st at Beaver Stadium. James Franklin is 42 and 19 in his fifth season as head man. He is 60 and 32 overall in eight years as a head coach. Penn State was 11 and 2 last year, 7 and 2 in the Big Ten, and they finished the season ranked number eight in both polls. They beat Washington 35 to 28 in the Fiesta Bowl. They return 11 starters from last year's team, eight on offense and three on defense. For early November, it looks like a great weather day. Sunny with temps in the upper 40s, very slight chance of rain with temps dipping into the 30s after the sun goes down. It really doesn't get much better than that for early November. One thing I forgot to mention earlier is that Chris Weber will be the honorary captain on Saturday. On a Wednesday radio appearance here in Detroit, Jim said he expects Michigan fans will be very welcoming to Weber. I'm not so sure about that, but it will be interesting to watch. That will do it for our visitor's edition this week. Thanks again to Penn State Radio voice Steve Jones for joining us. He is a first-class guy. Next week, we take to the road for an early afternoon matchup with Rutgers. Yes, they are not a good team, but it's still a road game. On our Tuesday game day show, my scheduled guest is beat writer Cody Stavenhagen from The Athletic Detroit. Then on Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll be joined by Steve Politi from the Newark Star-Ledger. If you've heard Steve before, he tells it like it is which has not made him popular in the athletic department there in Piscataway. So it will be a big week if we get the W on Saturday, which I think we will. So kickoff Saturday is at 3.45 p.m. We should be fresh and ready to rock, and we'll need to be. This is a very good Penn State team. As I've said all week, I feel good about the game. Don't know why. I think we're going to bring it, but we shall see. Enjoy the game, everyone, and have a great Wolverine weekend. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.